But at the same time, your girl loves a quick fix. (laughs) I also really love those kind of light bulb moments and those kinds of reframing where you don't have to learn anything really like new. It's not about changing who you are. It's just about organizing not your tasks, but yourself in a way that can just that alone flip things around in terms of how you experience your career. You are listening to Your Unapologetic Career. Being a woman of color faculty in academic medicine who wants to make a real difference with your career can be tough. Listen, these systems are not built for us, but that doesn't mean we can't make them work for us. In each episode, I'll be taking a deep dive into one core growth strategy so you can gain confidence and effectiveness in pursuing the dream career you worked so hard to achieve. All you have to do is tune in to your unapologetic career with me, your host, Kemi Dole, physician, surgeon, researcher, coach, and career strategist for an always authentic, sometimes a little raw, but unapologetically empowering word. I keep it real for you because I want you to win. Are you building the academic career you want or hard at work checking boxes on everyone else's to-do list? A successful career doing the work that you love doesn't mean you have to sacrifice your values, your family, or your joy. Stop trying to be everything to everybody and get to learning the strategies that will 3x your productivity, hone your passions into grant-funded projects, and create the career you worked so hard to achieve. If you have been to every career development workshop that sounded great, but didn't actually deal with the kind of institutional pressures you face. If you are working hard, but somehow stuck in inefficiency, putting everyone else's priorities first, if you spent years training and sacrificing to become academic faculty, and here you are still working nights and weekends on the projects you care most about, I'm here to tell you that you can walk away from this institutional mindset forever and take control of your career with clarity and strategy. Every day, I help early career women of color faculty in academic medicine, like you, reframe and recreate their academic life so that they can channel their ideas, passions, and skills into grant-funded work with institutional support. And that is why this episode is brought to you by Get That Grant, my six-month comprehensive high-performance coaching program for high-achieving early career women of color faculty in academic medicine who are ready to reclaim career control and secure grant funding doing the work they love. In Get That Grant, we help you kick imposter syndrome to the curb for good, so you lead your career with clarity and confidence. We teach you productivity and strategy skills for grants and papers to maximize your chances of success without wasting your time, abandoning your passion, or working yourself into the ground. We help you to build the foundation for an amazing and fulfilling academic career changing your life and the lives of everyone your work will touch. Yes, this future is possible for you, and it's waiting on you to make the first step. If you're ready for career success without sacrifice, I encourage you to book a coaching consult call today by visiting kemidole.com backslash grant. After you book your call, you will complete an in-depth career foundations assessment 
helping you identify the gaps in your foundation that are holding you back from enjoying the career you work so hard to achieve. No more secret worrying that you just don't have what it takes. This career assessment will show you exactly where you need to focus to up-level your experience and your impact. Book a coaching consult today to get your career foundation score. Visit kemidole.com backslash grant to book your call. Hello. So when I was thinking about these first few podcast episodes, I knew that one of them had to be around this kind of bedrock concept that I teach my coaching clients and that we use really actively uh, week in, week out. And that I've also written about um, in a newsletter, gosh, almost a year ago from the time of this recording and has really, interestingly enough, become baked into the vocabulary of even people who follow me that aren't even clients. So I wanted to spend some time to revisit this because I think that I will be using these terms going forward, probably not even thinking about it in future episodes. So one, it's just practical (laughs) for you to know what I'm talking about. But also, you know, this is one of those things that it doesn't necessarily require weeks or months of coaching to get, you know, it doesn't necessarily require some of the, the deep work, the commitment, the incrementalism that sometimes just is part of personal growth and development. I love that stuff. I love going deep. I love it because the impact is woo, unmatched. But at the same time, your girl loves a quick fix. (laughs) I also really love those kind of light bulb moments and those kinds of reframing where you don't have to learn anything really like new. It's not about changing who you are. It's just about organizing not your tasks, but yourself in a way that can just that alone flip things around in terms of how you experience your career. And so this particular concept is one of the CEO, the scientist, and the worker bee. So the story behind this is that I used to think that these were three different personality types that I saw in academic medicine. You know, in my mind, they were the leaders, the thinkers, and the doers. And I don't know if you identify with one or another. I certainly did. I was an excellent worker bee. I mean, give me the task and it's done, period. I had a ridiculous ability to disregard things like food and sleep to get things done. I mean, I still remember on my third year rotation, my third year surgery rotation, the attending uh, in my evaluation, the attending wrote that I was in, in wait, hold on. Now I can't say the word anymore. Indefigatible. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, (laughs) but it basically means like, it's like unable to be like exhausted. (laughs) Like somebody comment back to me (laughs) and remind me how to say that word. But anyway, like literally his evaluation was like, I, it's, it is not clear to me that she is ever tired, (laughs) that she ever gets exhausted. She has energy for days. You know, that's just like one example, but that absolutely was me. And let me tell you something, this worker bee talent got me far far beyond my expectations. I mean, it got me through so much struggle, just, you know, the physical struggle of being in rigorous training programs, not sleeping a lot, long hours, all of that stuff. And also, you know, being able to kind of work to the exclusion of anything going around me, on around me. And I don't mean that in a good way, but I just mean like being able to kind of put my head down regardless of 
family drama, regardless of drama in the world, like all those things and just like keep working. So I just want to say that I really appreciate and I'm thankful for my worker bee because that girl got this woman very, very far all the way to an incredible start as a faculty member, tenure track in academic medicine, being paid to do work that I love in what felt at the time like a dream job. So yeah, she was amazing. Um, But the bottom line is this worker bee, this identity, I hit a wall. Like I realized that I didn't actually have the luxury of just being a worker bee. If I had big dreams for my career and tangible goals that I wanted to meet, then I had to evolve, period. If I wanted a career on my terms, I had to evolve. The worker bee is very good at following directions, not so good at creating the path. So what I want to point out is that we do a lot of planning out our goals, our times, our time, excuse me, our grants. And I think we think a lot about our tasks and things like that. And this concept of the CEO, scientist, and worker bee is to try to give you a strategy to plan out your roles, your career roles for yourself, because it's not the case that you're either the leader or the thinker or the doer. You need all three of these to be successful on your own terms, to be productive without losing your mind to be different and still be valued by your institution, um, you need all three. So let's get into them. Worker bee, I spent some time explaining already because that was me. I mean, the worker bee gets shit done, period. You know, and it doesn't matter how painful or annoying the thing is. The worker bee formats references, goes to clinic, creates the data dictionary, lectures the students, like all the things, whatever those checkboxes are, Worker bee, that's what they do. But what about the other roles? The scientist, the scientist, ideas, 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 ideas. The scientist is the one that's like driving to work and thinking of the collaboration is adapting new concepts constantly, you know, has like the light bulb moment of a new idea. The scientist is the one that's sitting there watching a lecture and thinking about the ways right then and there that it applies to their work or has a new insight about a problem even within a certain research project or anything like that is a scientist. And I will say that for those of you that may identify more as clinician educators or that spectrum in your institution, this role is still very present and you might call it something different, (laughs) you know, the project developer potentially, right? The educator but it is that creative part of you that really is where the innovation, those sparks of innovation come from. That's the scientist. And finally, the CEO, y'all, we know what this is, the boss, the decider, the queen bee, the planner, and the accountability manager. I will go into this. So I would offer that A lot of you might be a lot like me because I don't think I'm like a unique person. I think that I was molded and socialized by many, 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 many years of training and academic medicine. And that means that I have, and we mostly have a well-honed worker bees. We have very excited scientists and we have barely their CEOs. And even more so, some of us have 
abdicated the CEO role to someone else, a mentor, a division director, a department chair, the whim of your peers, the crowd, but we have abdicated that role. And it's really time to reclaim that. And this is why you need your worker bee, right? But without the ideas of the scientist and the structure from the CEO, your worker bee will work for anybody and anything. You need your scientists to translate your passion into real ideas. But without the execution of your worker bee and the advocacy of your CEO, your scientists will have no room to learn and create. And you need your CEO to create and protect your time and space and to build the roadmap for your career. However, without the value of your scientist creativity and the commitment and the resilience of your worker bee to get it done, your CEO will have no reason to stand up and advocate for you, to stick their neck out for you. We need all three. The worker bee, the scientist, and the CEO are all within every one of us. And what I want you to consider is that the muscles might be atrophied or just straight up underdeveloped, but they are there. So with that said, and that concept in your mind, you can start today, tomorrow, this week, make deliberate space for these career roles. There are always a series of questions (laughs) that can get us into a place of moving out of being stuck in a rut or and transforming into thinking about different ways of not just thinking about things, but doing things. Here are the questions for the CEO, scientist, and worker bee. Here are ways to help you think about how you can start to make space for these. Number one, how much time does your worker bee spend working directly for your career advancement, for your unapologetic career advancement. Number two, how secure and consistent is the time your scientist has to read, create, write, and collaborate? Number three, does your CEO know who she is leading and why? How clear is she on that? And how much time does she get to plan And when is she in charge? So consider those answers. And if there's room to improve, do it. And I'll tell you what to do. A lot of times I'll tell y'all, I'm not going to tell you what to do. (laughs) These are things that you need to figure out as you reflect and decide on what you want. I'm going to tell you what you want, what to do. First steps, pick a day a week, one day a week and give one hour to your CEO. And let me tell you that her very first task is a priority list to organize your worker bee and protect your scientist's time. That's her first task. And her second task is to create an accountability plan to ensure you do task number one. Go off and prosper. (laughs) So those are the roles. And the last little tidbit I'll leave you with is, you know, how to think about building what is really like a framework, right? This is like a theoretical construct. You are clearly one body walking around, right? But how do you think about, how do you utilize this kind of 
framework in the actual structure of your days and weeks, et cetera. So I think that the optimal time ratio for these roles actually changes over the course of our careers. And they vary a little bit within each individual. That's one of the things that I teach and coach on in my coaching programs is it looks really different early career kind of creating and developing the platform that you basically want to stand on to do your work. And it looks different when you're, you've built that platform and you're now standing on it doing the work. And then it looks different again when you're ready to transition that platform into a legacy. Those are some of the things that we work through, not just like a static time ratio at one time, but how do, the, how do these change and morph through the phases of your career? Anyway, however, starting, let's just start with the assumption of more early career or the, the initiation you know, of your career, somewhere in that range. And I would say that I think this is the sweet spot for junior faculty. Worker B, 50% of your time. Scientist, 30% of your time. CEO, 10% of your time. And then that gives you a full 10% flex. So maybe you got a little bit extra to do a certain week or a certain month. Worker B goes to 60%, right? Maybe you're doing a lot of deep dive in thinking, being creative, figuring out the next step with your data, getting deep, solving a problem in analysis. So your scientist gets bumped up, you know, maybe some stuff goes down at work. Somebody leaves all of a sudden, there's a whole new layer of pressure on your time. And the CEO is like, no, I'm sorry. Not only am I spending time with myself, I need to go to these meetings and like handle my business. So the flex time is on purpose. And on a larger level, Everything that we do, all the structures that we create for ourselves, all the frameworks must have flex built into them or they don't work. They're creating new cages for you to fail within and then feel bad about yourself. So that was a side note. But anyway, flex is always built in. Um, so that's the optimal time ratio. And I just want to remind slash clarify that this is about the breakdown of your non-clinical time, or you might call it your admin time. Shout out to my PhDs, not in in academic medicine. You might think about this as your non-teaching time, but ultimately like this is how you break down the time that you have on your own. So if you're 20% clinical, you would break this down within that 20% or excuse me, 20% research. You know, if you're 80% research, you would break down this time within that 80%. So that is the framework, CEO, scientists, and worker bee. And here is to your CEOs stepping up and showing out. I love y'all. I hope you have a great week. I hope this was helpful. You know where to come find me. You can find me on Twitter at Kemi Dole. You can find me on Instagram at Kemi Dole. You can find me on my website at www.kemidole.com. That is D-O-L-L. Pronounced like roll and scroll. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening with me today. I appreciate your time as I know it's so valuable. I hope this episode was helpful to you and I hope you feel energized to go out and claim your unapologetic career. See you soon.